Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com, episode 19, here with Alex Dunlap and Byron Lambert. You can find all of our content at RosterWatch.com. Also, make sure and subscribe to the podcast, give the podcast five stars in iTunes, and give us a good review. It's the most important thing that you can take away from this entire podcast on top of all the NFL draft talk we're going to have, on top of all of the Dynasty talk, on top of all of the preparation that we are going to put in going into our final and official mock drafts on the second podcast of this week. The most important takeaway is go give us a good review. There are not enough good reviews yet. We want to sell sponsorships. We want to accept money from the universe. Byron, Anything else that you'd like to uh, get off your chest? No, I think this episode should be about the landscape of the first round of the draft as it shapes up uh, within just a couple days of uh, round one here on Thursday evening. Coming to Roster Watch Nation, there should be podcast number 20 should hit the airwaves before that goes down. We'll try and get podcast number 20 up by Wednesday. We'll get it like we'll, we'll record it earlier on Wednesday. We'll get it up during Wednesday during the day so people will have. The whole day Wednesday, whole day Thursday. Well, we're having some interesting observations as we uh, construct our final mocks. Um, we're also assimilating some of the news and notes that have been um, coming in the last few days and some of the moves and maneuvers that NFL teams are making right now that could shape some of their decisions in the draft. Uh, first, let's get to some of the news and notes uh, on that, and then, and then maybe we'll kind of go through some of the key – some of the natural spots in the first round that we're starting to see some activity. Uh, looks like Odell Beckham, his fifth-year option was picked up by the Giants. That's no a no-brainer. No surprise, no-brainer. I don't know why it took them this long, uh, but I guess they got that out of the way. What do you think? The Giants Giants have to go. What, do you, what, do you, what are you thinking in your mock on them? Let's see. Uh, I think that if I look at our team needs tool, which is available with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com, the Giants' biggest team needs uh, defensive tackle, tight end, inside linebacker, offensive tackle, and then offensive guard. Then, of course, I mean, quarterback eventually is going to have to be in need. So I think Ben McAdoo at the Patrick Mahomes Pro Day. Yeah, I think very that, notable. I don't think Mahomes is going to be around. I don't think either of the top two tight ends is going to be around, O.J. Howard or David Njoku. I don't really see a defensive tackle that is, you know, I guess maybe, no, because I think that, I think that Malik, I think Malik McDowell will probably be going at 17 to the Redskins. They have, they have such a deep need there for defensive tackle. Boy, they're starting to say be, he's a sloppy with character concerns, aren't they? Is he motor concerns? Uh, I mean, his 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 film is pretty good. I mean, his his just heard Kerwin bagging on him the other day. Well, hey, here's the thing: Kerwin sometimes knows. <laughs> That's our boy, man. Shout, shout out to Pat Kerwin. Shout out to Jim Miller, our boys from Moving the Chains. Eddie Bor Eddie Borsili, the man behind the man, as well. Uh, so I have them on my current mock, and again, like we talked about, this is just the skeleton. My final mock. You'll be able to find it at uh, rosterwatch.com for my entry to the huddle report. But I have them addressing offensive tackle. I think by then, only one offensive tackle will be off the board. I think the first offensive tackle off the board will be in, uh, to Denver at pick 20. And Boy, so, they doesn't seem like the Broncos have to take an offensive lineman. Yes, and I've been talking. I mean, we're we, talking landscape talking. of the first round here. Doesn't that appear to be an, an, just an evidentiary truth in this world that I, they have to take a lineman. Yes, and I think it's I think if you're going to have to take a lineman there who you want to take over and be the eventual, you know, 
sort of what do they call it? The cornerstone, like the what? The like, bedrock. Yeah, the bedrock of the offensive line on the left side. I think this kid Garrett Bowles from Utah. I've watched I've watched tape on the top probably five or six of these guys now. Certainly not as much offensive line tape this year as I used to watch when it was my job to grade every single one coming out. Um, what a boring job that was. But now with my focus mainly on you know watching every wide receiver, every running back, every tight end, even the even the undrafted free agent kind of level guys, haven't got to watch as many offensive linemen. But Garrett Bowles is the one that popped off to me the most. Is the one that could have the brightest future as a possible left tackle. That's just because of his balance and his feet. Man, Garrett Bowles' feet are outrageous. That kid's an athlete out there. So I, I think if you're picking an offensive tackle in what seems to be a, a real down class, that's you take the one with the biggest upside. I think he has better upside than the uh, than than the Ramcheck kid or the kid Cam Robinson from Alabama. All those guys, though, I think all three of those guys I've decided should probably have late first round grades. Well, what do you think about Cam Robinson? Because I feel like he's a guy that's been a bit unheralded throughout this draft process. I think he's a right. A lot tackle. of people think he's a solid prospect. Yeah, I think he's a right tackle. And and you know what? I mean, if you go on to be a great right tackle for an NFL team, that's an important thing, right? Yeah, I think it's almost as important as left tackle. It's at this becoming point. that way. I just think I think that John Elway would. Lo- I mean, here's the thing: Garrett Bowles still has some growing to do. He still has some developing to do. He's only 300 pounds, or even maybe less, maybe 297. But he's such an athlete. His feet are so quick. You're get, you know, you, Ryan Clady's not there anymore. You don't have anybody that's going to be your your left tackle of, of the future. I think this is a guy who could really really grow into that role. I'm looking here at. Um Mike Band's uh, big board tool that's been updated at rosterwatch.com where he's he's put in maniacal effort tracking all different levels of interactions between NFL teams and their personnel departments and and all of the prospects in this year's uh, rookie draft pool and he's used the analytics to show us you know what which teams have spent you know a lot of resources assets and time on particular players and or needs that match the team needs tool he's also created for us at rosterwatch.com and i'm i'm just looking what do we have we have the giants here uh the giants have spent a lot of time they've spent on th- offensive tackle yeah let's see let, let me just sort by the giants real quick yeah it looks like uh you know certainly quarterback Qu- a lot of time on quarterback a lot of time on offensive tackle a lot of time on tight end and it seems like they've I don't know why they've they've had so much to do with Leonard Fournette, <laughs> but I guess that um, you know due diligence. Well, yeah, due diligence. I mean, well, look, their running back situation is extremely unsettled. Right, but right. I mean, know, they know they're not, not going to be Fournette's not going to. Yeah, be. of oh, course. I mean, they. But hey, you got it. You got to do your due diligence in case you might want to trade up, or you get a call for somebody wanting to trade down. I mean, I think the takeaway there is that they've shown interest in the running back position. They've also shown interest. I don't know. Again, why? Look, Landon Collins is a is a gangster out there. Why are they even worried about a Jamal Adams? They've spent a lot of time with him. They've spent a lot of time with the LSU kids. That could be it. Hey, the Giants always have a contingent there at LSU. Yeah, absolutely. we know that much for sure. Ask right. Odell Beckham about it. Back to news and notes. Looks like Jake Long has retired. That seems like it's pretty much overdue. Yeah. Boy, man, what a great player, though, huh? Well, Parcell still says he should have taken Matt Ryan over Jake Long at one. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he still he says said he that? made a mistake. He did make a it mistake. It just goes to show, man, the quarterback. It's Well, it's why this is why I want to get in the discussion at number two of why it's just so hard for me to imagine that the 49ers really taking Solomon Thomas there. We were texting about this earlier before the pod. Mike Band was on the text. We actually, in case you're wondering what our group text messages look like, (laughs) well, yeah, but this a lot of juicy information came out from y'all's observations with your mocks, and it was a real meeting of the minds. So we're going to talk about some of that. Uh, I'll tell you what's been what's a surprise today uh, tidbit of information because uh, what the information we were getting at the combine was the Cowboys still very very nervous and concerned about the development, the long term viability of last year's second-round pick linebacker Jalen Smith. Uh, Ian Rappaport reporting today that he's been able to start wiggling his toe, lifting his toes in that foot, and there is some can he stand regeneration on, I wonder uh, if he going can, on. I wonder if he can get on one 
foot on whatever on the is it the right leg or the left leg? Do you remember from the videos? I don't remember. I'm not sure I remember either. But if he can I stand, right I think it's the right leg. But if it's, let's just say this, if he can stand on that right foot and lift, put all his weight on that and lift up on his tiptoes, that means he's getting he's gotten rid of the drop foot. That's that's what it was that was so worrisome. I know what drop foot is because I had it whenever I first hurt my back. I had drop foot, and what that is, it's like you can't if 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 you put all your weight on one leg, you should be able to like get on your tippy toes, right, on both on both feet. It, when you can't do that, it's called drop foot, and it's a sign of you know it's a sign of nerve damage. Sometimes it doesn't even really even correct itself. Could you could you lift your foot like that though, just when it was hanging down? Uh yeah, you, you kind of flip it up yeah. while it was just hanging. Yeah, but you know what's you know what's wild is that on on the one and if, you know what's wild too that it like this was from a back injury right like a lumbar spine injury it's an all L5 nerve S, related though, right yeah and so with that it's like I could kind of lift it up I could lift it up but whenever the doctor took his little tool like the little ma the little rubber mallet and hit me in the knee with it my like my reflex like point. my like my left knee to like just flies up. up my right my like my right leg he'd do it and it was just it was just nothing. You know, but hey, it goes to show that like I wasn't, I didn't work hard in physical therapy at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like 30 at the time this happened, um, you know, you know, fairly out of shape. I like, I might've even cut out my last few weeks of physical therapy because I didn't, you know, I probably didn't have a lot of cash at the time. I wasn't interested in paying stuff for all this stuff that my insurance wouldn't cover with the electronic stimulation, like all this stuff. And I still kind of healed, you know, a, a little bit. So I've never thought that this was anything that was you know, a, a complete career ender for him. With that being said, I've never had to go back to being a top performance <laughs> athlete, you know, and getting back up to the level that you were after something well, like I that. Just I, don't, I don't know. Interesting that nobody, even with the orthotic device that, I mean, per the videos you see of Jalen Smith, don't, it looks like he's able to perform athletically with, with no issue at all. I just find it interesting. There's no precedent of, an NFL player being able to play with that device at any at a high level, and it, I'm not sure the sample size is that large. Definitely an interesting science project they got going on with Jalen Smith. We ought to ask uh, we, we ought to ask Dr. David Chow what the sample size is because he's the one always talking about that, saying saying that there's no no precedent. Certainly, um, a, a good friend. Really happy to see this progress. Though. Radio program and podcast. Shout out to Dr. David Shaw here with Byron Lambert and Alex Dunlap. It's the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Please give it a five star rating. Please give it a good review in iTunes. All right, here it is. So, the big talking point amongst the uh, mainstream sports media to kick off uh, the week this morning um, across many platforms was. Warren Sapp's comments about having broken down the film on Miles Garrett and saying that he thought he was lazy on tape. Who, you know, he sees the flash plays. Who was who, who Warren Sapp employed by at this time? I have no idea. Is this just from his own basement that he's doing this work? I guess. But, you know, that said, Warren, Sa Warren Sapp's played the position, the defensive line at high levels. He's watched a lot of tape through his career. Oh, I'm sure. And no. probably in TV preparation and for NFL Network and whatever else he was I'm doing. I'm certainly not fact. saying that he's not worthy of an opinion. I'm seriously wondering if anybody's hired his ass. I don't think so. It's a tough day and age to... I can kind of look it up. Tough day and age to be dabbling. In those kinds of activities. It really is, man. Yeah. Uh, so that's caused a stir. And then you've had guys like Shannon Sharp come on and say that, hey, you know, the flash plays are there, but it's how do you rationalize the guy with this measurables that had four sacks in one game against an inferior opponent and then the rest of the season only had four and a half more sacks? Warren Sapp on Twitter, at Warren Sapp, who looks very unemployed to me. He dives for like lobsters. Has, it looks like he has maybe his own company, maybe. Because in look on his Twitter header, it has this stuff, this be true organics. Looks like it's pain relief stuff, et cetera. Maybe he's just doing that sort of stuff. Obviously, he's got you know 1.2 million followers to market this stuff to. So but, you know, I can't. Yeah, be true organics is what it looks like. He's going to trade shows and all kinds of stuff for this. So I guess he's going the entrepreneur route. Anyway, he says on his Twitter, the number one question I was asked: Which of your 12 college games would you want us, in, like in parentheses, in the the NFL team? To, to watch and he's saying what was his answer and he doesn't say it but he means miles garrett he's saying if you have 12 games that you'd like us to watch which ones do you want to watch he's saying he doesn't have 12 he doesn't have 12 good games and i can understand where like 
I can understand where Warren Sapp is coming from because when you look at the advanced statistics from Pro Football Focus, what you'll notice is that you've said, I don't know what the exact sack numbers were. You've said before that you were a little bit disappointed in the exact sack numbers. I don't remember being disappointed in the in, in the sack numbers. It's eight and a half sacks. Years. Eight um, and a half sacks, half of them came in one game. Okay. so Against it, a bad it's opponent. It's a little bit disappointing. So, so we're talking about for 2016? I believe so. I think if you look at the two-year sack numbers, it, it, it isn't quite as... It isn't quite as, as it's, not, it's not astronomical. It's, well, I'm looking it, it up right now. It isn't. It isn't. But I will say this. I do know that on the pro football focus, uh, some of the material that they were handing out during the senior bowl, he had a ton of quarterback hits and hurries and things like that. So that was kind of one thing that I had said is a bit of a feather in Miles Garrett's cap is that he was productive in in those sorts of ways. But what Warren Sapp said, and I can't believe I'm agreeing with him because I think he's such a huge dirtball and uh, you know just a, a creepy hypocrite, especially with the way that he used to on the NFL Network. He used to look down his nose at people who failed drug tests at the combine, which I just got, I thought was just absolutely horrible considering that he you know considering that he failed his drug test at the combine so miles garrett i mean eight and a half and 16 11 and a half and 15 11 and 14 yeah so 31 sacks in three years he's been a 10 sack per game guy per per year but but the thing is this sack per game the thing is this what warren staff said that really resonated with me it says point to me the games that he took over where he can take over a game if you like an elite pass rusher should probably have more than just three games during his career, three, four games during his career, that he absolutely took over and he beasted. I remember watching, uh, like, I, I know he's not an edge rusher, but I remember watching Indomitian Sue, and there were games where he literally took over. He was the focal point of the entire Nebraska football team. You know what I'm, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, Yeah, if you I, live in even, Austin, you're well aware of Indomitian Sue taking games over. You're, you're pretty well aware of Warren Sapp taking games over, too, if you're old enough. Uh, to to remember that bowl game against my that bowl game against Miami, I forget which. I'm year glad that I don't. <laughs> but um, I I mean I get it. But then on the other hand, you have Mike Mayock on on the who we totally respect on the NFL Network Loves conference Miles call. Loves Garrett. I mean, he's putting his nuts on the line for this guy, saying that this guy is a multiple All Pro, and that he's the guy that you have to take with the first pick. So. I mean, my evaluation of the film, if you look at his highlights, they're ridiculous. To me, it looks like a Jason Taylor. You know, if you listen to Warren Sapp, if you listen to Booger McFarlane, look, Booger McFarlane watches more SEC football than than I do. More SEC football than you do, more SEC football than most people do, because it's his job to break down every game maniacally. And I'm sure that he does. And if there are things that he's noticed about that, I mean, there's been a lot of talk from Booger McFarlane and from others that we've heard about the offensive tackles that he had the big games against were the offensive tackles that weren't any good. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's probably a little bit of, uh, I, I, what are we doing? I mean, are, are, are we talking, are, are we just, are we just to the point now in the draft where we're just trying to think of anything we can like, is it one of the things we're well, trying is to this think garnish? of? I'm not sure this is just garnish. I'm not sure it is either, but it's like we're in a, we're in bizarro world. This is well, how it gets to the, towards the end of the draft process. Or are we just overthinking everything? Is this paralysis by analysis? To me, it's just very reminiscent of the Jadavian Clowney situation. It's and the Jadavian same Clowney's questions we had about Clowney. And, and the fact that Clowney's become really good, to me, does, that doesn't mean that Garrett is going to. But these are the same questions we had. Is it a football guy? Is he a dog? So those are the questions. Unfortunately, I just think the Browns are a situation where they have to take Miles Garrett. You know, that leads to my discussion about Solomon Thomas, a player who's really, really good, but it's hard, really hard for me to see him as a number two pick in the draft just historically. And uh, you, so, you, but historically, I, so I, feel, I, feel, I feel like the, the Browns are just being painted into a corner here, though, where it's like they have to do it. Unless, yeah, and I don't think that... You're getting a good, you're getting a solid player. You know, how many contracts are you getting a solid player for? You know, if he turns out to be Mario Williams, are you happy? Yeah, I think Hold so. On, but what does Solomon Thomas have to do with the Browns being painted into a corner? No, I'm I'm just saying that these guys, the options at the top, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. No, these it's guys tough. are these what guys are in a tough, really tough, tough situation at one and two. I mean, I think the dynamic at two is really an interesting one. But these guys are in a tough situation. And at the end of the day, you're gonna say, all right, what are the premium positions? And I, I just believe that the it's it's not the I don't think the Browns are elated to run to the podium and turn this corner. I don't think so. I either. think they have to. 
Okay, so that's interesting. So this is taking a turn. All right, so those are the dynamics of pick one. What are the what are the dynamics of pick two? Let's just go down and see how far we get. Well, I, I'm fascinated with pick two because again, you know, so everybody in the world has been mocking Solomon Thomas at two to the 49ers. including me on my current draft, yeah. and I'm thinking about change my, my current mock that I'm thinking about changing after thinking about it a little bit more. But I'll I'll let you explain some of the reasons why. Well, I just think that the more I look at this, it's the more it's setting up for a big surprise at two. I think this is where something's going to happen. Obviously, again, at two, you're looking at quarterbacks and pass rushers, dominant left tackles. You don't want to take, you don't even really want to take a running back there. You really don't want to take a, de, you know, a defensive. Solomon Thomas is a really nice player, but I mean, he's he, not a defensive end like, Miles, pure pass rushing defensive end like Miles Garrett. It's he, not an to me, it reminds so. me more of like a Gerald McCoy. You put him on the outside, maybe a little more. He's a little lighter than McCoy. Reminds me a lot of Gerald McCoy, who went number three to Tampa Bay, what five, six years ago, and has been a really, really. I don't think they hate that pick. Really good player. Right. So I, th I think it's in the mix. I just think historically, that's not where you want to. That's that's not what you want to do with the number two pick. That is reserved for quarterbacks. That's reserved for elite pass rushers and left tackles and those are areas where the 49ers have needs in all three of those areas our, our team needs for the 49ers uh on the team needs tool as uh, you can find at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership it's it's quicker than and easier than you could ever imagine to sign up it's cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee to become a member of roster watch nation happy to see so many of you joining up that i i'm pretty sure are uh, podcast listeners um because because we have little spikes on the days that we have pods. Um, but anyway, San Francisco 49ers, their biggest team needs, number one is quarterback, clearly. Number two is uh, corner. Number three is ed no, number three we have is edge rusher. So it's basically I mean, like... To, and in a cornerback, another premium position when there's the Patrick Petersons of the worlds that come through that kid. So what I'm saying is it's just really Solomon Thomas is... He, he, I'm not sure he's a pure How edge. How much more do you even like him than a Mar than even a Marshawn Lattimore? Yeah, he's he's not a pure edge. So I just think this is this is setting up for a, for a surprise here. But, Would it be but, a huge surprise for them to take Mitch Mitchell Trubisky? No, but I so I guess to just jump forward a few steps, that is the impression they that because of the dynamic of the pick number two, that is now the situation they are forced and really their only option is to create the impression that they're going to take Trubisky at this point. Because they know. If, if John I mean, Lynch wants to trade out of that pick. Well, to, well here's he's the thing. Got, he's got, they have, the 49ers have to be dying to trade out of that pick, but there's no marketability there because it's, it's really interesting. So you've got, look, the Bears only have Glennon. It's really a one-year deal, deal. We're hearing that the Jaguars at four – Probably not going to pick up Bortles' fifth-year option. We know Coughlin is in town there. These, these right. things could be changing in Jacksonville. Yeah, oh yeah, so that's yeah. boom, boom, right after two. So you start thinking, well, uh, and I mean, and then you get to, I mean, to, obviously Tennessee's not taking anybody, but then you get to New York Jets. I mean, there's a huge quarterback need there. You get to the Los Angeles Chargers. Not a huge quarterback need there, but Phillip Rivers isn't getting any younger. You know, Certainly, and if, if they fell, the if they fell in love with him, and then you got the Buffalo Bills at ten, so you basically got six of the top ten teams, you know, picking who you could legitimately see taking one of these guys. And if you look at the over unders that we got sent from Bookmaker.edu that we tweeted out, I mean, these are, I mean, I think Mitch, what was Mitch Trubisky's over under? I'll pull it up. Um, Mitch Trubisky over nine, under nine and a half. I think it was eight and a half. You know, nine, yeah, not, not pick nine and a half. So they're saying, like, that's the run the bills. And, yeah, so it's like, I mean, Vegas is telling us that Mitch Trubisky is going to be a top ten pick. We just need to figure out how that's going to work as we break down the, the dynamics. And once he's a top ten pick, then all of a sudden you have three or four quarterbacks get drafted. In the first one. round. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way that this works. Yes. And so... It's an interesting situation because we know the 49ers also – look, John Lynch, he was a draft nick up until three months ago. He was a huge draft fan. Who of all the draft nicks and draft fans loved as the number one overall prospect for two years? It's a Leonard Fournette. The 49ers are showing interest at the running back position, but, again, they don't 
want to take it at two. You're not going to be able to get somebody to trade to two to take a Fournette. You're not going to get somebody to come up and trade to two for a Solomon Thomas. You're not going to probably not going to get somebody to come and trade to two for a safety or even Lattimore at cornerback. The five, the top six players that they've showed the most interest in per our team big board tool. Number one, Miles Garrett. Number two, Solomon Thomas. Number three, Marshawn Lattimore. Number four, Leonard Fournette. Number five, Jamal Adams. And number six, Mitchell Trubisky. They could trade back five spots and get, and get still any get of one them, of their guys. Or get not any of them, but at least one of them. Exactly, at a much better value. So now they're left. If they do want to peddle the second pick, the only way to do it is to create the idea that somebody has to come up and get their quarterback. quarterback there. Because that's the one thing that you know that everybody covets. Here's the thing. Why are we just why are we getting so tricky here? And why don't we just have them taking Mitchell Trubisky? I think it's a real possibility. You know, they don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. The future of that franchise cannot be on the line for Kirk Cousins. Uh, and, and here, and and you. Oh, what do you, to 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 get next Cousins year. to come out there? Okay, I was confused. Yeah, right. Okay, so you're I mean saying, that's the whole. So, I, so I mean, you're thinking way ahead. You're saying, you're saying no. That's the whole idea in San Francisco right. is that is Shanahan is waiting on to be reunited with Cousins. Nobody banks on that. You're going to lose your job if yeah. you wait on things like that, especially oh, at John God. Lynch. You sit at number two. Those are the few opportunities in the lifespan of a GM of a team in the NFL to to. Get an opportunity to draft a quarterback. Yeah, it doesn't work out half the time, but you got to have one. You don't get them in free agency. And These are the opportunities. And you don't necessarily get fired for, for, for whiffing. So I think that they create a legitimate impression that they're going to take uh, Trubisky. And, because they might be. Because they might be. Now I'm thinking they, I might need to change my mock-up a little bit. They might be, and I also think, look, as quickly as we came to that conclusion, now people are saying, well... If say I got to get up, I got to get up there if I want right. if I want him, got to get up there if I want him. It's 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 believable. What if Cleveland had the first pick then traded up to pick two, had the first two picks in the draft? It would be so Cleveland Brown, and both of them would bust. <laughs> and we're just playing. We we know that we have lots of Cleveland Browns fans who listen to this. We certainly uh, we're certainly going I mean, to give the, new, the we're certainly hand, going to give the new regime every benefit of the doubt because they've done everything different. We're big Hugh Jackson fans. And yeah. on the other hand, if you told us not knowing that, that the Browns would walk away with Trubisky and Miles Garrett, we'd say, hey, good job, Cleveland. Good job. Yeah. So it's just really, really interesting. You get to three at the Bears. and, and, and I think the dynamics of that pick are interesting because you got, you got to wonder, at this point, you got to figure that nobody's going will have taken Marshawn Lattimore. I think that he could be in play. It is a big need for the 49ers, but you have there have you know the Bears have such a big need in there. They also have such a big need at safety, and some people believe that Jamal Adams from LSU is the top-ranked player on some people's boards. So, I don't know. One of the things that Mike Band had sent us was the quote from Jamal Adams after his visit with the New York Jets. And the New York Jets asked him, hey, man, why are you even coming on a visit here to, to, to see us picking six? You're, you're going to be gone by the time we pick. You know, it's like they know, which kind of got me off of mocking Marshawn Lattimore. You know, I didn't mock Marshawn Lattimore there in the, to, in the top. Uh, or I, I mocked Marshawn Lattimore there because I've just seen corners go in the top five, basically in my lifetime or the time that I've been doing this professionally. I've never seen a safety go that high. You know, like I don't know when in history one's gone in the top five, but certainly not during the time that I've been analyzing the draft professionally. Eric Berry would have been the closest, and that would have been right when you were getting getting into this. What year was Eric Berry drafted? I would say about eleven, maybe maybe, maybe twenty ten. I think I think it's eleven. Okay. Well, yeah. So we, I mean, we started doing this professionally, like for our jobs in twenty twelve, and so yeah. But I mean, for me, it's just something I don't see very often. I don't know if Jamal Adams is really that kind of. I mean, it seems like you have to be a talent that, unlike any we've seen in the last. Yeah, he's not an Eric Berry. You know, in the last six or seven years at the position, I'm not sure that he's he's quite that guy. But uh, some people have, you know, some people have have said that 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 you know he is the top safety on the board. That is such a, you know, not even just the top safety on the the top player on on some teams' boards. Safety being such a big need for the Bears. I just I I think that basically with this the big decision they're gonna to have to make and the big decision we are going to have to make in the mock drafts is whether they're going to go safety or corner. 
because they're going to have an awesome safety available to them. They're probably going to have the best corner at the six. Available. No, three. Oh, three. Oh, yes, the Bears. The Bears. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. I think they have. I think the Bears are sitting in a really tremendous spot. Dynamic pick four for the Jaguars. Any come off to you? It's been the it's been the most popular mocking spot for Leonard Fournette. I mean, I think it sounds about right still. Can they take a quarterback there? I mean, are they going to take a quarterback? That's the most interesting storyline. With the Jaguars, can the Jags reel off another quarterback, a top five pick, within four or five years of each other? What's it been four years? I guess. Sure, they can. Boy, I mean, sure, would send a message to Bortles. It sent a message to everybody. The co- I mean, that that would be Coughlin sending a message. Our deal has been like, look, what you know, Coughlin has gone back to Jacksonville, the place that we're. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he their first coach ever? Yes. Okay, so he's going back to Jacksonville where he brought where he's seen how important it was to draft a guy like Fred Taylor super high. He 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 knows that Blake Bortles needs to get help in this his last, you know, basically his last year, whether and deciding whether or not they're going to pick up his option. Um I think the one way that he knows that he can help him is to pound the football and to pound the rock. They have I a running Christian back. Christian McCaffrey's name. in play there too. I truly do. Reggie Bush was the number two pick in the draft. And David Caldwell likes. Christian remember what McCaffrey's, Caldwell said? What? No. At the combine? No. Oh, he has. He just already had plenty of ideas for how he could integrate Christian McCaffrey into an NFL offense. You can find all the combine audio at rosterwatch.com. I think our webmaster has gotten that all uploaded in, in, in the last couple of days. That'll be something I'll need to go back and listen to. Yeah, I think he's certainly in play there. That seems like a Coughlin kind of guy, too. Any chance they go defense? It seems like they got to do things to improve that I mean, offense. I, and to help, I, help think if, I think if a Solomon Thomas or a Jonathan Allen would be in play, but they just took Jalen Ramsey, maybe a corner in Lattimore. I mean, they, they, they have Colvin. They brought in a Mukamara. That's Coughlin's old guy. Didn't play particularly well. Jaguars, I mean, well, it's, I mean, their their biggest team need is is an edge rusher. So you got to think that maybe if Solomon Thomas fell, then that's would that would be his 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 landing spot. And I think it seems more like a natural spot at four for him. You know, you got to remember they've they invested quite good? a bit of money. Solomon though. Thomas, Dante Fowler, Miles well, they, Jack. They, when are they, they finally going to be any good along that? No, and they played who they played Malik Jackson huge last year. Yeah, what, like when are then they, they paid? There's somebody else they paid this year to come over on the defensive line. That's what makes me a little hesitant about the Jaguars investing in a D line here. Well, I don't think it, I don't think it would be a John, I don't think it would be a Jonathan Allen, but I think maybe a Solomon Thomas if you fell. Yeah, but I mean potentially, potentially that would be that would be a better fit. Dun- I, I would like you would like a Solomon Thomas, Dante Fowler. That's a really nice. That'd be a really nice combo. Oh yeah, I mean that's a pedigreed combo for sure. Yeah, I might like something more like that. Any dynamics of pick five that really yeah. stick out to you, the oh, Tennessee uh, Titans? I, I think it's the dynamic it's the most, that sticks out the most. It's the most dynamic pick of the draft. I think it's the the, the it's the domino that changes that everything. Shapes, that shapes the entire draft. It's it's where I currently in my in my skeleton of my initial mock for the huddle reports, where I have Cleveland trading up ahead of the Jets to get Mitch Trubisky. I think that it's a prime spot for anybody to trade up. If Trubisky is not there, because, uh, or if Trubisky's there, or if their guy's there, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be one of these quarterbacks. It could be like Jamal Adams falls, and somebody's like, "Oh shit, he's the number one guy on our board." We're here picking at eleven. You know, where's the trade chart show? What do we got to give up to 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 get up to five? What like like a three? You know, like let's trade up. Let's let's get our guy, and. I think that the Tennessee Titans have given out, you know, John, John Robinson, he's a G from the, from the Belichick school of, of deal-making. He's let everybody know that he's interested in trading down. There's a million players that, that he, I'm sure that the, the Titans like just fine. They have a ton of needs. They have needs at wide receiver. They have needs at corner. They need an edge rusher. They need a defensive tackle. They need safeties. I mean, they need interior offensive line. There's a ton of stuff that, that, that the Tennessee Titans need. So they could they could move down. I think that five is a prime trade up spot. And also, if they can't if if, if they can't trade out, I don't know where they're going to go. Like I don't know what direction they're going to go. It's 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 really hard to predict. What's your take on it? Well, my I just was analyzing Mike Band's big board tool. I mean, this thing is really impressive. This is incredible work by Mike Band, our director of analytics at RosterWatch.com, and where he has sourced, scraped, and tracked. 
basically every every visit level or of interaction workout. between all teams and personnel departments and all of the rookie prospects and uh, he's got a grading scale and correlations factored into here so that we can actually see what the interest levels are uh, per per position and per player by each team. And when you look at it, you assess that the top four players are, ch are chalk. I mean, the order may yet to be decided, but it's Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, uh, Jamal Adams, and Leonard Fournette because for the, the team for need the, the for team the Titans? Need, the team need no for the top four picks in the draft for the team oh, needs right. team needs all uh, as they relate to. Uh, the level of interaction and interest that's been shown. Those top four chalk. So then you get to five, and what you do is the Titans have shown equal amount of interest in, uh, I want to say it was Marshawn Lattimore and Jonathan Allen. Let me see. Jonathan. I think it's a 33 on the grading scale for both of those. Yeah, it is. And so that is the first natural breaking point that where is. a team is going to have two players on the board that they've shown heavy interest in that both fit if high Jamal priority Adams needs. If go to the Bears. If Jamal Adams does not go to the Bears. No, I said Marshawn Lattimore, Jonathan Allen. Oh, no, no, no. It's Jamal Adams. Oh, they've shown more interest but in Marshawn But he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. Per If you look at the team needs versus the interaction level, Jamal Adams will not be there. That's part of the reason that the top four are chalk, and this is such a natural Okay, well then, all, all right, well then, so I need to correct you. Because what it, what it is is if you, if, if, if you sort by the – by the level of, it's actually 34 for Marshawn Lattimore and 33 for Jonathan. Okay, Allen. so it's a virtual tie. But it, but it's a tie between the, Adams and it's yeah, a tie so between. That's Adams what I had noticed Allen. is that Lattimore and Allen are a virtual tie right. for the Titans as far as the level of interaction and interest they've shown towards those players, and both of those are areas of need. Looks for looks like Titans. need number two we've identified as the corner position. Need number three we've identified as defensive tackle. And so this was the conclusion I came to is a real confluence of factors here for Tennessee at five. So we have two high priority needs, probably two really good players that they've shown a lot of interest in on the board at that point. And then you've got a GM who's also got a penchant to trade out of the pick. So there's a prime spot again to send that first domino tipping that's gonna that's gonna change the landscape of the first round and then shape every team's picks after, and after I, that. And I just think that if Mitchell Trubisky falls this far, if he if nobody trades up to somebody's two, trading to five. Somebody trades to five to get ahead of the Jets. Yeah, get ahead of the Jets. Just get ahead of everybody at that I'm point. Not, get ahead of the I, Browns. I'm, I'm a Mike Band. I'm not completely sure that the Jets should even take a quarterback there or that they will, but I think teams will think we need to get ahead of them because the Jets quarterback situation sucks. And the Jets want to trade back, so somebody could trade up to. You that could spot. look at the Browns trying to trade with the Jets right. to get up to six. So five is the next spot where Robinson, I think, is going to wheel it and deal it there. So the those are the dynamics of five. We sort of talked about some of the dynamics of pick six with the New York Jets. I mean, those needs they have a clear need for corner. They have a clear need at safety, which kind of which kind of sucks. I mean, they took D. Milliner. A first rounder. And, they took Calvin, Calvin Pryor, Pryer. a first rounder. That so, was old pencil neck John Idzik. And then quarterback. First, uh, Geno Smith. Was Geno Smith a first rounder? Second rounder. He was. Okay. So, I mean, they've, they've expended major draft capital at their top three positions of need over the course and of the And it's result, <laughs> the resulted in nothing. That's terrible. Yeah. I think that, you know, McCagnan is certainly listening to calls for trading down. I thought you, know, you were going to say he was certainly listening to this podcast. <laughs> I don't think he is. I don't think he is. <laughs> but he's cer he certainly listened to calls about trading down. Uh, what, do you, what are you thinking about this? Do you think that since – this is kind of weird, but since their biggest need is corner, could like do you think Tennessee might just want to swap picks with them? Maybe they trade up to get Marshawn Lattimore, and then Tennessee just moves back one pick. That happens. Some, they can do something that like happens. that. That happens. Definitely happens. Wouldn't be surprised to see. I mean, I think like it's that. a little bit of it's. Yeah, it's what you got to try to manufacture. It's even what San Francisco's got to try to manufacture it too. Somehow, is even get even, a little something, something. kind of just kind of massage something. This thing. Get back a pick or two, then get your Leonard Fournette. That's what you want to do if you're San Francisco. Something like that. The dynamics of pick seven to me to the Los Angeles Chargers, which still throws me off to say I want to say the Los Angeles Clippers. It's easy. It's like they need. There's going to be an awesome safety available. You know, I think that well, either Malik Hooker or Jamal Adams will be available, and I just think you take that guy. Those are two. Those are two safeties that I have trouble telling the difference between. I know that a lot of scouts will tell you that Jamal Adams is on a different level. I think I think Malik Hooker is just sick. 
I just got a text that Jabril Peppers tested for a diluted sample. Jesus. Had you seen that yet? No. <sighs> Reuben Foster, Jabril Peppers, huh? They're trying to hydrate. It's like what's it's like it's like Bill Polian said today. I heard a clip of him or I heard somebody talk and I didn't I heard just a small clip. I didn't hear the whole interview because it was on Mike and Mike, which I would never listen to. But um apparently he said he said that he has never he had to come back and correct himself later because they asked him, well, what about Randy Moss and Warren Sapp? But he says he's never in his life seen a guy who's failed to combine drug tests. Oh, Polian said go that. on to be a good player. And they said, well, what about Moss and Sapp? And he said, I should I take that back. He said, I can think of only very, very few rare, rare examples of that guy ever going on to be a good player. And what it has to do with is not so much the fact that they do drugs, just the fact they can't get they their shit together things. for three weeks to a month and just not do any, you know, not do any drugs. Yeah, just take care of their business, as Leonard Fournette put it to us. I'll that's, tell you. That, 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 that sucks because that, was, I, that to me was a lock to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now I'm going to have to just switch this up because I'm not sure. It's like Band always says, you know, Band's worked in an NFL front office, so I take this kind of stuff to the bank. He says when there's that kind of concern, you, just, you can't you, – and also the fact that Mike Band has basically now become, uh, since, the, since, his, uh, since his graduate study in analytics – has been groundbreaking in the value. Basically, it's going to rechange the actual NFL draft chart, the draft value chart. He's saying anything before pick 21 or 22, you cannot risk with these sorts of risks. And I think that the Steelers pick right around, nine, was it 19, 18? I'll pull it up, make sure I know it for sure. But it's just, uh, yeah, it is, no good that, it is no good that that's how that happened. Let's see, Steelers, mock draft. They are picking Pittsburgh Steelers. Where are they picking? Are they picking much earlier than I thought. The Steelers are picking at thirty. Okay, so yeah, I think I think they could still go there at thirty. The over under on him was sent to us via Bookmaker.eu. I believe his over under was. Number 28.5. So that could mean Jabril Pepper slips out of the first round just based on that, the diluted sample. But, dude, they've, like, they've talked, the Steelers have talked about how much they love Jabril Peppers. I mean, they've made no, they've made no bones about that. Well, that'll be an interesting one to watch unfold. Certainly an exciting player. But we've kind of seen these tweener guys that have any kind of concerns pushed down the last few years. Who's Miles My, Jack and then who was it? Was it Shaq uh, for the for the Panthers? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking was it Shaq Lawson or something? Something and I, then, I believe and then so. There was uh, then I think Dion Buchanan was pushed down a little yeah. bit because they didn't weren't sure what his spot was going to be. Exciting, exciting player to watch though. Uh, let's let's bring always bring things back to the sweetest sons of Roster Watch Nation for a minute because you had props on. John Ross and Deshaun Watson from Vegas. And they haven't changed. The, the, I figured the John Ross prop would have changed. The juice has changed a little bit, but his over-under is still at pick 18.5. Even though Mike Band has told us you cannot take him before pick 22. I don't know if I'm going to get him up to where he, you know, he does go to a, to a Titans, to where he does go to a Baltimore well, I, Ravens. I find this interesting. So you know this Milwaukee Journal Sentinel – uh, poll of GMs that is an annual affair for them uh, as far as Bob, the ranking of these Bob, prospects. Bob McGinn. Give the man credit. That's okay. some good-ass work he does. Okay, yeah. shout, shout out Bob McGinn. Well, there you go. And so that's an annual – that's something annually that people look forward to about, about the week before the draft. And it's a poll of about half the GMs in the league give us a sample size that we can hopefully extrapolate out uh, over the entire league. And uh, Bob McGinn reports that six of the 16 GMs, so what is that, about 40%, 38% or something, mm -hmm. uh, that he polled or that were polled for this study have John Ross ranked as their number one wide receiver prospect. Uh, he actually got more votes for first place than Corey Davis did. But not Mike Williams? No. Mike Williams was the number one overall 
I, I, I guess he got the number most number one votes, but also just emerged as the number one overall uh, consensus player based on the point system they use in this. So study. basically, if he, so if 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 that's the case, then Corey Davis only had at most three votes because we're talking about sixteen here. You're down to ten, and then so you get to seven for Mike Williams. If you only beat him by one, one. there's only three left. So at most, Corey Davis only had three first round votes. Or, or three votes as the first, as wide receiver one. Do you want to bang through the uh, bang through number eight, nine, and ten as far as the dynamics of the uh, of the of the draft? Number well, yeah, because, boy, and, and I think it relates also to the the Vegas prop on nine and a half for Watson. Now that we're kind of in that eight to ten range, mm-hmm. and the other thing I found interesting here is things coming home. You know, I don't know if this is coming home to roost. Coming home to roost. I don't think it's roosting because it's only six out of sixteen. But he got the same polling percentage that John Ross did, and that is Deshaun Watson as uh, among the personnel executives who were in this study. The sixteen of them, five of them had Mahomes as the top signal caller. Trubisky garnered four first-place votes. Kaiser got the final nod. So it looks like Watson edged everybody out. So it's 6-5-4-1. He edged everybody out there. and I'd vote for Josh Dobbs over Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> so my question is, I mean, where, where does this all in the end shake out for Deshaun Watson? Does he end up at that top 10 pick that Vegas suggests? That's basically what you're betting on here. I haven't been mocked to the, I, I haven't mocked to the Buffalo Bills. To sit behind a tie god? Yes. Tie gods, they can get out of, let me pull up spot, spot rack, but they can get out of tie god's contract pretty easily. Let's, let's just, um, let me get that resource pulled up so I can find out exactly what it, what his contract numbers were, but what it was, it was just a two year deal, right? With a whole lot on the front end that was recently signed. It was for the 2017 and the 2018 season. He has a potential out in 2018. He's due that year 14.5 million, only 8.6 million dead. This year he has a cap hit of 9.7 million with 18.3 million dead. So that's one that they structured where they could get out of. And you're going to want to probably sit Watson for a year. You want to sit him. Yes, that's the ultimate goal. So picks 8, 9, and 10 are Carolina, Cincinnati, and... Buffalo. Buffalo and Carolina and Cincinnati aren't picking quarterbacks. And so the question is, does Buffalo trade up in, in front of one of them or just in, just in, in, in front general. of anybody that wants to trade up to get in trade partners to go up and get it? Well, you know, the so Gettle, hard. You know, Gettleman would love to move down to 10. He could probably still get his guy. Oh, I, I think he's got a handful of guys he'll be happy with right there. Yeah, a, Absolutely. I currently have currently have Christian McCaffrey mocked to the uh, to the Carolina Panthers at pick eight. That has to do a little bit with my feeling that he'd just be a great fit there, and that he's going to go higher than most people think. And also having to do with the prop we got in from Bookmaker.eu has his over under at pick eight point five. I think basically Vegas has just said, "Do you think he's going to Carolina, or do you think he's going after Carolina?" I mean, they just really don't believe it. It doesn't appear to want to invest major assets. In the offensive line position, as you're not going to do that yet. As far Joe. as the draft, I, I don't think any of these line, any, any of these offensive tackles are worth anything more than a, a you know, maybe a twenty-ish. That's just been such a sore spot for the Panthers roster. Address it in free agency. Straight. I mean, I don't know. Gettleman's he goes bargain basement hunting for those he, linemen. He goes to big loss. Got, he's got a Seattle-ish, <laughs> Seattle-ish perspective on the construct. Which, of the offensive line, which is those big, are two good teams. Two good teams that have uh, they've started to show some show some chinks in the old armor over the course of the last couple of years. I think that time up there with Pete Carroll and John Schneider is going awfully close to being on the precipice of becoming a little bit stale. I no longer think Leonard Fournette will even be in the picture at eight for Carolina. No. So to me, this is either his over under prop is pick four point five, and the juice is on the under. This is Christian McCaffrey. This is if one of the elite DBs falls, and I'd like to say it's Jonathan Allen, but boy, those medicals—you know—we've seen the slide. I think Jonathan Allen slides farther, man. They the medicals. The medicals are they scare. But let me talk about this for a second because this is the medicals do scare you, and we've seen in recent history that they do affect draft stock. You go watch Solomon Thomas, and I mean that guy is a really, really nice player, right? And then, but then you turn on 
Jonathan Allen, he's a different player. And you remember that it was just like 10 short weeks ago that Jonathan Allen was in the running to – he was in the conversation as the best overall player in this draft. Mike Mayock will still tell you that he is. I mean, he is an absolute beast. And you talk Mike Mayock is saying that Miles Garrett is a surefire all-pro. You talk, you, you, and he was saying before the combine that Jonathan Allen and Miles Garrett, you have a conversation there. So that means by the transitive property that, that you know, at some point before the medicals, he said that was is this kind of guy. And how back can the medicals be? It's a shoulder. And you want to talk about these guys matching up to somebody like an Indomitian Sue on their college tape, if you're going to take them that high, we'll turn on the Jonathan Allen tape. He, well, that's a guy, yes, he can take Yes, he can take over the line of scrimmage. He takes over games. Yes. If you take over the line of scrimmage, you, you kind of you Sack, take fumbles, over the he runs in for touchdowns, stuffing run games. How does Nick Saban keep just doing I mean, I mean, he sh- I mean that, that whole front seven's been incredible. You know, they've shut down Leonard Fournette twice with no problem. Jonathan Allen's have been the linchpin of all of that activity. Well, he's been so he's an ultimate can-do guy. That's why I say yeah, he, yeah. he's got to be on the I Panthers' radar. I think Christian radar. McCaffrey's the ultimate show-me-what-he-can-do guy. I think I think those are both <laughs> show-me-what-he-can-do what guys. Right. And as well as uh, those potential I just DBs. think I just think we have the number two need of the Carolina Panthers as wide receiver. We have the number four – or the number two need is running back. The number four need is wide receiver. With Christian McCaffrey, you get both. He'd look amazing in that yes. offense. Can you imagine him and Cam in the shotgun? It's going to happen. That's a nightmare. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes. Uh, pick number nine, Cincinnati Bengals. The uh, the dynamics of this pick to me, it's you know what flavor of linebacker do you think they end up wanting here? You know, I think is it to me. I've been mocking Hassan Reddick there. I used to think it was the perfect fit for the pit bull Reuben Foster. Now I'm beginning to think. I mean, there are people they now, can't take Reuben Foster. Well, no, and there are people now saying. Um, I saw a tweet from what's his name? What's his? Loiko uh, uh, always talks about him. Mike Lombardi, I saw a tweet from him saying, if you're picking between 33 and 46, you better have done your homework at Ruben, on Reuben Foster because that is where he's going to go. So he's saying that nobody's going to expend first-round capital on Reuben Foster, which I find crazy. I still think somebody will do it maybe towards the end of the first round. You just got to take that guy. He's such a pit bull. But I, so I think he's sort of, uh, sort of out of the question there. Is it? Is it a Hassan Reddick? What, who does Mike Band have going there right now? Mike Band updating and finalizing his his mock final the, mock draft for Roster Watch Nation this week, yeah. sending in some early results of some maneuvers he's made in his top twenty. And let's see, there's been so many tw- texts since he actually sent the list. Right though. now, he has Barnett. Edge. Okay. Well, nine. Fair, fair enough. An edge rusher. Like I said, it's going to be an edge rusher or an outside linebacker. You know, maybe maybe an inside linebacker if you're looking for the eventual perfect replacement. That was the that was the idea behind the possibility of it maybe being some kind of Reuben Foster, just a dirty, dirty. You know, uh, he he would fit the personality of that defense really <laughs> really well. What about? I'm a- not sure that they want that personality proliferated in that defense. So they might want to clean that thing up because it loses them football games in the playoffs. What about a surprise taking the top wide receiver in the draft? At that point, no wide rec- every wide receiver's on the board. Yeah, and they, you know, I mean, it's true. I mean, Mohamed Sanu is gone. They Mar- got Tyler Boyd. Eifert's never ha- healthy. Green's coming off of, I mean, they say he's fine, but it's a hey, it could it certainly a ripped right off the bone. Full Mike tear. Williams, the over-under on, on Mike Williams, where he's going to be taken, is 9.5, right square between the, the Cincinnati Bengals that have a wide receiver need and the Buffalo Bills. I, I could see. I don't think he's going to go this high with the medicals. I think it's also a reasonable spot for John Ross. Who have a wide receiver need. I that would be a really nice player in the Bengals offense. And now finally to pick 10. This will be our last uh, our last pick to discuss the dynamics of. We will have on Wednesday the full mock draft. We're going to try and get Mike Band on that show to kind of go through it with us. Do we have five minutes for some housekeeping? Yes. Let's get to the dynamics of pick 10. For, or do you want to do the housekeeping first or dynamics no, of pick let's, 10? No, let's, let's finish pick 10. Dynamics of pick 10. Let's put it to bed. Buffalo Bills. They have a big need at cornerback. They have a big need at wide receiver. Clear, clearly they have, a, they have a need at quarterback. They have a need at tackle. I don't think any tackles are going to be worth it at that point. They have a need at safety. I don't see them reaching for any safety. I think both Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker will be gone by then. They have a running back need. I'm not sure. I mean, God, what a bad pick it would be to take a Dalvin Cook or something right there. Seems like it's got to be a quarterback or a wide receiver for Buffalo. 
It, and it's going to be a one from Clemson. That's going to be a tremendous pair of wide receivers. Clemson wide receivers. They've been cranking them out. <laughs> Can you list them all? I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, um, uh, Sammy Watkins. Was Martavis? Martavis Bryant. Um, Mike Williams. It's a big, There's long list one. of studly, studly, beastly not, pass catchers. Um, Martavis Scott, I won't count him. I think there was Justin Hunter from Tennessee, right? Yeah. That's, someone kind of like that, though, that I'm, I'm missing. You might be thinking Sammy Coase from Auburn. Maybe, but I don't think so. There's somebody else. But, yeah, uh, so, yeah. so they, they, they crank them out at Clemson. They've cranked out some good ones. So, yeah, uh, Clemson to Buffalo connection will be continuing. I think that's just going to happen. Mike Williams or Deshaun Watson. All right, housekeeping. Okay, uh, I wanted to get back to finalizing our ranking, or at least my ranking, on Chris Godwin. I know Alex made a real point of that on the last podcast. And I I just, you know, went back and really tried to review everything on Chris Godwin. It's really, really hard for me to get away from the fact that he should be ranked as a top 5 to 10 wide receiver in this class. I think there's an argument for him to be a top 5 guy. There's people going to argue he, he's, he's, he's a – Top five could be number four wide receiver in this class. Uh, for me, that's strictly strictly going to come down to the amount of information that I have. I have more information on Zay Jones and Cooper Cup. I'm very comfortable that hey, they may not end up being the fourth and fifth best wide receivers in this class. Maybe somebody like Godwin uh, will turn out to be better. But what I am comfortable with is that those two guys are going to come in and turn out to be good NFL players and good wide receivers. So I'm going to leave them at four and five. But then for me, Chris Godwin comes square into the picture, right around a, a D.D. I Westbrook. Love I love it. Right around a, a Westbrook at six. Um, so I, I noticed that that was somebody we needed to to get cleaned up in those rankings, um, make sure we're on point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that, Carlos Henderson is kind of the discussion for me. I think it's Do you a like Godwin or Henderson more. I like it. I think that uh, I think in my in, I think in my initial rankings, and these still aren't finalized. We're going to have these guys for you. That'll be part of the Wednesday podcast too. Is just getting you the final rankings on them. Once Trashman and Band get their stuff in, we know you guys are. McCagnan might not be listening, but Band is listening. Trashman is certainly not listening. Get in your wide receiver rankings, guys, so we can get this done. Yeah, I mean, to me, I have Godwin. Uh, I think. I'm not sure where I have him right now, but where I will have him is right in that area of Malachi Dupree and Carlos Henderson, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think right now, yeah, I mean, he's, for me, I have him as my number eight. Yeah, and I just got God, I just got Godwin in uh, as my number seven. So we're going to have Chris Godwin right around the area of probably a Malachi Dupree, Juju, no, between above, so below Carlos Henderson, but above Malachi Dupree, around number eight or so, seven to eight. He's I think that's fine. He's a top five to ten guy that's in the fine. class. You don't want to sleep on him. Chris, don't want to sleep on Chris Godwin. Get hurt, hurt like, you know, hurt in a way that you don't want to get hurt from a big beastly wide receiver. Like that. <laughs> yeah, just uh, let me just go. Over, let me look at my. Uh, let me look at my write up on him real quick and I'll tell you who my comparison was um, pulling it up here at rosterwatch.com for our pro members to me he, to, to, to me it's a mix of, it's a pretty sick kind of a roster watch mix a, a mix of Nate Burleson Alan Robinson and Jarvis Landry oh that's a nasty mix. it's a nasty mix and you look at his mock draftable and I mean it's a pretty disgusting looking uh, it's a pretty disgusting looking spider web you know, you're talking about a guy that's 6'1 209 it's just a big uh, you know, beastly, dirty player. He plays a lot bigger than that six one. I think it's because he. I think it's because of the. Uh, it's because of the weight and the substance that he has on him as a, as a number. Uh, you know, as a kind of a, he. Lo he just looks like a real number one wide receiver. You mind if we toggle over to running back rankings for a quick piece of housekeeping? Four four two speed too. It's like. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not, that was a really surprising number. The guy, I mean, yes, he he's open and he's streaking down the field, but he's big. Yes. He plays big. Yeah. Uh, on the running back side of things, uh, I know you and the trash man had the opportunity to interview Jerry, Jeremy McNichols out of Boise State a few weeks ago. He was un unable to come on the show for his original interview uh, the week before that, but I know you guys were really impressed, and certainly he's got he's kind of a cult favorite amongst draft Twitter, and 
you never want to completely dismiss the power of groupthink uh, when it relates to all this, because there can be some intelligence there that can be gained. So, you know, for me, I went back and watched some more McNichols to try to wrap my head around that. And, you know, I come away thinking that I'm going to have him right there in Kareem Hunt territory. I can certainly see why people would have him higher. Hmm. You know, but what have we told you? You're going to have guys ranked at number seven, eight, ten at the running back position that you think are pretty good players that's an this year. That's an interesting take on, on, on McNichols. I wouldn't think you had him that high. I see a Gio Bernard. I, I mean, I see a nice player. I don't see a Kareem Hunt. I, I see somebody that if you watch the tape, you can, you can make as strong an argument for him as you can for Kareem Hunt or Jamal Williams. That's going to have him in that number. You can make as strong an argument for McNichols as Jamal Williams? I believe so. It's gonna have Jamal his, Williams is so big and fast. So well, I like Jamal Williams. So big I and think fast. Jeremy McNichols was like a four four two. No, I mean he had two fifteen, yeah. and and he, that's actually four pounds more than Jamal Williams was at two eleven. I mean, so then you get down to the Corey Clements and these other guys, and I, I mean, I think you watch Jeremy McNichols, you got you say he's got he's got something more to. Him. Look, we like Corey Clement. Hell, I like Matthew uh, Days. But you got to admit that Jeremy McNichols has a little more wiggle, a little more something to him than those, than uh, those yeah, players and, and, do. And I forgot that Jamal Williams was listed at 225, and he never came in 211. Like yeah. He two, was like a small version like, of like a Jordan two, Howard out there. So 212 like at him. the combine. McNichols 214 at the combine. This is no knock on Kareem Hunt or Jamal Williams. Again, these are players that we really, really like. And this is going to depress the running back market, I, I believe, after Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette because of this insane uh depth anyways even though, even though the vegas over under 3.5 with the juice on the over boy that'll be interesting to see all those running with these question marks this i think depth. it's gonna be a joe mixon i think joe mixon's gonna go to the lions you know one that's gonna be the thing that throws it off and dalvin cook will go at the very end of like the packers of the bob of the bob mcginn poll uh those 16 personnel executives saying who they're giving their rating for their top player in the draft this year. Yeah. None of them had Fournette. One of them had Mixon uh, as their number one overall player. Well, if that's the case, somebody's taking him in the first round. All right. So final bit here for me, that means that Jeremy McNichols is going to be a top 10 ranking at running back position. Did want to mention Derek Henry uh, information from pro football focus coming back to roost uh, today. Coming home to roost. Yes. Showing that Derek Henry was the best of all rookie running backs in pass protection by a mile, allowing Dude, people can eat no shit. pressure. And and it just reminded me this it, exact I mean, time, serious. this exact time last year. Oh well, he can't pass protect. That he couldn't pass protect, and he couldn't he catch, catch the football. He came out like, was go do work, go watch the beep. Like if you're going to have these these kinds of takes, like at least go watch them, go do your work. We've been and we were imploring you about Derrick Henry last year. We're imploring you about a whole other set of rookies. Uh, this year, it's the reason we always have a leg up on the com competition. It's taken a year for the rest of every, the rest of the media yeah. to catch up on Derrick Henry. And last but not least, we do have an unclaimed prize for review of the week. <laughs> unclaimed prize. From Let's explain this. Stem T, Littleton, Colorado. Stem T. He made a brilliant and very maniacal review of the Roster Watch podcast on iTunes just last week. He was honored. Uh, with the Podcast of the Week award, and we'd like to credit, provide you a credit to your pro account, STEMT. Please email us, rosterwatch at gmail.com with the email address associated with your pro and account. Then, and then the decision for this week for the, uh, what, what do we say? They're, like, you guys aren't giving us enough good reviews. There's a couple, I've got two that are in the running right now that are really good, but we just don't have enough. We don't have enough to give. Just don't to, have enough. We need a few away. more reviews. You guys need to give us more more good rankings, more good reviews, and we're going to we're gonna roll this one over until next week. Who are the guys who are in the running? We don't have to read the reviews. Big up. O, Titan, and RL, Kanye, 80, coming strong, showing Roster Watch Nation how it's done. Folks, Come join them. Put some maniacal reviews up about the podcast on iTunes. Don't you We realize? want to give away credit to your pro account. Yes, and, and Byron wants to lay in bed and feel really, really woolly and scroll down that scroll down his phone real slow. Line by line. Like line stat tracker. Line. Like and NBA stat tracker. Yes, he has a maniacal obsession with your 
comments with your ratings. That will bring an end to episode 19 of the Roster Watch podcast. We'll have episode 20 up this week with our official mock draft predictions, our final rankings on running backs and wide receivers pre-draft before we shift into post-draft mode. We're going to have to analyze team fits and everything, so we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about over the course of the next few weeks. Stay, Stay subscribed. Stay tuned in. Go give us a good rating. Go give us a, go, a good review. Get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. For Byron Lambert, I am Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. We will see you next time. <laughs>